Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. The state of sex education is poor for American adolescents, but you probably already knew that. However, what you may not realize is that the state of sex ed for U.S. students entering medicine, psychology, nursing, and other healthcare professions isn't all that great either. There's no universal standard for how sexuality should be taught in most healthcare training programs, nor is there even a requirement that it be taught at all. The result is that the people who should know the most about sex, our doctors, therapists, and other medical providers, aren't necessarily learning what they need to. We need our doctors to be able to answer sex questions, to be sensitive to patients with diverse sexual interests and identities, to provide safer sex counseling, and to deliver the most effective treatments for sexual problems. However, to do all of this, healthcare providers need to be trained in sex and sexuality issues. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to address the sex ed deficit in our healthcare system and why correcting it is so crucial for public health. We're also going to get tips from a sex therapist for communicating about sex in the doctor's office so that providers can feel more comfortable creating space for sexual health issues and patients can feel more confident bringing them up. I am joined by Dr. Rachel Needle, a licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. She is the founder of the Whole Health Psychological Center and the founder of the Advanced Mental Health Training Institute and Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. This is going to be a great and very practical conversation. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. The Modern Sex Therapy Institutes provides continuing education, certifications, and a PhD in sexology to mental health and medical professionals across the globe. MSTI is a one-stop shop for ASECT sex therapy certification requirements, including education, sexual attitude reassessment, and supervision. MSTI offers flexible payment plans and learning options. Attend from anywhere in the world and learn from experts on sex and relationships. For more information on their programs and offerings, visit ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com. That's ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com. Applications are now open for a new continuing medical education course from the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The course is titled Gender, Sexuality, and Medicine, an Introduction to LGBTQ Plus Competent Care, and it will be held this fall. Both online and in-person attendance options are available. This course is intended for health professionals and it offers continuing education credits. Please visit kinseyinstitute.org for more information and to register. Okay, Rachel, let's talk about sex education for healthcare providers. So as a starting point, let's talk about why doctors, nurses, psychologists, and really anyone who's working in healthcare delivery needs at least some training in sex and sexuality. There are some people who think that, well, if you're experiencing a sexual issue, you should just go to a sexual health specialist, like a sex therapist. But I think that view is problematic. So can you tell us why sexual health care should be part of any healthcare training program? Well, first, sexual problems are extremely common. And some research has found that there are physicians and nurses who agree that there are so many barriers to addressing these issues, like lack of knowledge about how to diagnose, about how to manage sexual problems, not having good enough training also in the area of communication. But more than ever, we're seeing that healthcare professionals are taking a more integrated and holistic approach to care and treatment. 
what's more holistic human than our sexuality, right? So not only does sex and sexuality touch on biological, psychological, emotional, social, spiritual aspects of our life, but it can affect and be affected by a number of medical issues. So, you know, since sex is often the bridge between mind and body, healthcare professionals need this understanding of a patient's bigger picture and of how the medical impacts and implications of it, as well as vice versa. So even OBGYNs and urologists, right, we find aren't typically asking about sexual health or questions about sex in general. So they're fixing the parts, but don't realize that there's a person attached to those parts. So we really need to do a better job at training. We also find a lot of sexual problems, things like vaginal pain or erectile dysfunction, for example, like a doctor needs to understand what all of the factors that are contributing to that issue are, which sometimes will include things like sexual values, beliefs, experiences, you know, so in order to treat them effectively, they need to be able to ask more questions. I love that answer. And you already preemptively answered my next question, which was going to be about how sexual health, physical health, and mental health are all interconnected, right? There are a lot of people who tend to put these things in separate boxes, but they actually overlap quite a lot. So when you're treating somebody for a physical health problem, and let's say you're giving them a medication or a surgical procedure, that might have implications for their sexual function. And then that implication for sexual function might affect their mental health, right? Because it was this unexpected side effect that then had this negative impact on their sexual life or their sexual relationship, right? So when we neglect the issue of sexual health care in all of this, we're really doing a disservice to our patients. So when we're talking about physical health treatments, we need to talk about what are the implications for sexual health. And if somebody comes in with a sexual health problem, well, it turns out that that can actually sometimes be an indicator of an underlying physical health problem that needs to be treated. And sometimes when people are showing up with psychological problems, depression, anxiety, and so forth, that might be having implications for their sex life that's making their mental health issues worse, right? So we have to look at all of these things holistically and as being intimately interconnected. So given the ways in which sexual, physical, and mental health overlap, it only seems natural that sexual health care should be part of primary health care. But sexual health is often neglected in routine health checkups. So how could paying more attention to sexual health in primary health care improve our overall health as a population? Yeah. So human beings are sexual beings, right? So in my mind, we, we have an obligation and medical professionals have an obligation to treat all of their patients' needs, right? So we think about cardiovascular health, oral health, diet, GI, fitness, lifestyle. Well, that also includes sexual and reproductive health. So sexual health care is a part of primary health care, even when it's not brought up. So, you know, doing things like just even asking or taking a sexual history can help a healthcare professional get and use information that can help provide more targeted and appropriate interventions in both health education and in disease prevention. So, and it can improve the relationship between the healthcare professional and the patient as well. And so I think this is an important way to look at it is sexual health is health, right? You know, it is part of your broader overall health picture in your life. And so by paying attention to sexual health, you might also be improving mental health and physical health at the same time. And that can ultimately make all of us healthier and maybe even reduce 
these extreme healthcare costs in the long run as well. So how much training do doctors, psychologists, and other healthcare professionals actually get in terms of sex and sexuality? What, what do we actually know about that? There's not a lot of hard data on the number of medical schools actually teaching sexuality. So some of this is due to the lack of agreements on standard of what medical students and physicians should know about sex and how they should approach it. But some have said that less than 1% of medical schools have it as an actual full course or significant training. The majority have a weekend seminar or have them watching videos about it. So, and we also know that, you know, there was one study back in 2011, but there have been a couple more recent that showed that the average amount of time spent in med schools teaching about LGBTQIA plus issues is five hours or less. So it's not proactively addressed. And we've seen research that because of that, it's not addressed in visits with physicians. So we don't have actual figures, but even in the absence, we know that several studies have shown that there's very little that happens at that level in medical schools. So that's consistent with what I've seen too in the research. And one of the more recent studies I saw found that across the four years that doctors spend in medical school, they only get about 10 hours of training in total around sexual health issues, which equates to about two and a half hours per year, which if you think about it in those terms, that's just not very much. And especially if you want to talk about inclusivity, right, and addressing people broadly, being able to address gender diverse populations, sexual minorities, people at different stages of the lifespan, right, you're just not getting much information in that span of time. And it's not just doctors where we see that they're not getting a lot of training in sexual health issues. I've also seen some work looking at nursing and nursing schools and how much training they're providing. And I do see that in the data, most nurses report getting at least one course in sexuality-related issues. And, you know, having at least one course is great, but it's hard to fit everything you need to know into the span of a single semester course, right? Because sexual health is so broad, so complex. And we also know that in psychology, right, there's often not a lot of sexuality training, right? And if you want to become like a sex therapist, you often have to go out and do that on your own because there aren't many sex therapy training programs if you're looking at you know, established PhD programs in, say, counseling psychology or clinical psychology that really have that emphasis on sexuality. And in some of the departments that I've worked in before, you might have just one course, you know, in your entire curriculum that deals with sexuality issues. So this is something that is really true for healthcare providers across the board is that we're not doing a lot to train them in sex and sexuality. So for healthcare providers who don't have a lot of experience discussing sexuality issues with their patients, do you have any tips or advice on how they can more confidently and comfortably start these conversations? I mean, as a sex therapist, you have to get people to open up all the time about their sex lives. So how do you do it and what can other healthcare providers learn from this? I mean, absolutely. I think that healthcare providers should be seeking out CE workshops and trainings in the area of sexuality and sex, even counseling. So we do have a lot of people in the medical profession that are choosing to become sexuality counselors as well. So there are programs that exist, such as mine at Modern Sex Therapy Institute. We have a medical sexology program or CE workshop, but there are many of them that also do that. 
and also do more reading in the area. There's a lot more being written about sexual medicine. There are journals. There's a journal of sexual medicine, which is a great one to you know, make sure that you're reading consistently as a healthcare provider. Some medical schools are starting to offer some fellowship programs in sexual medicine, which is a step in the right direction. But you know, still overall, there, there's not enough. So you have to seek that out yourself if that's not being offered to you. Yeah, and that is sort of the unfortunate reality of all of this is that, you know, when it comes to improving training programs and offering more of these sexuality-related courses in, say, medical school or in other types of programs, you know, there's not a quick fix for that because that requires getting the people who run those programs on board and then they have to invest in changing their curriculum. And so that's a many years long process to do that. So there's no quick fix. The solution is people generally kind of have to seek that information out on their own. So I think you provide a lot of great suggestions that there are workshops and courses and things that they can take on their own, or they might be able to count that as CE credit towards some of their other trainings that they have to get anyway in the process of just maintaining their credentials and licensure, but then also just subscribing to the sexuality journals, listening to this podcast. You know, there's all kinds of ways that you can go about maintaining and increasing your knowledge base in this area. But I want to go back to the question about you have to talk about sex every day with people. You got to get people to open up to you. So how do you do it in the therapy office? How do you put somebody at ease where they can really divulge and discuss this deeply personal topic that they might not have disclosed to anybody else before? I think one of the the best ways that I have been able to do this is through my comfort with discussing it. So even the clients that I've had that I've had that have come in the most reluctant to talk about it and open up when they see and hear my comfort with it and I'm talking about it so matter of factly and then they're more able to feel comfortable also disclosing. And there have been so many times when clients have left my office and said, Oh my gosh, I didn't expect to tell you all that. <laughs> um, you know, I never thought I'd, I'd tell anyone that, or I wasn't expecting in the first session to be able to say all that. And so I think, you know, going back to healthcare providers, even just opening the door or giving permission, letting patients or clients know that you are comfortable having a conversation or being talked to about this topic will go such a long way with patients. You don't have to even have all the answers or be trained in sexuality, although I, of course, advocate for that. Even just opening the door and having like brochures or business cards of people that, you know, therapists that specialize in in sex and relationships is great. You can open the door and then say, oh, well, here's a referral for you if, if you don't feel comfortable or knowledgeable about whatever it is that they've opened up about. Yeah. And I don't think everybody necessarily has to be a true expert in sexuality. And ultimately, it's going to depend on your comfort level, how much time you have to seek additional training, and so forth, right? So at least knowing who to send somebody to is a really important step. And just getting a list of who are the sex therapists or other sexual medicine specialists in your area can be an important first step if a patient comes to you with a concern that you don't feel comfortable or equipped to address. Now, the reality is that if you look at 
doctors in particular, and who feels the most comfortable and confident addressing sexuality-related issues, it's usually only urologists and OB-GYNs who say that they feel that their medical training actually prepared them to do this. But even then, many of them don't feel like they got everything that they needed to know. So if it's really only those specialists who are getting more of that information, I think that just really speaks to how most people in the healthcare profession just aren't getting much at all. So yes, I think going back to what you were saying, part of this might be about kind of working on the self a little bit first, because if you as a healthcare provider are really anxious about discussing sexuality related issues, you know, that's going to come across to your patient and that might make them feel anxious and they might bottle up a little bit more. So let's talk about that for a second. How can you go about sort of resetting your own beliefs about sex and becoming more comfortable with it? I know this is something you do in some of the trainings and workshops you have, you know, for example, with what's called a sexual attitude reassessment. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what that is and how it works and how that can help to maybe change your beliefs and views about sex and make you more open to talking about sexual diversity? Sexual attitude reassessment is an experiential type of workshop, and it helps you explore your values, your biases, your feelings, your reactions to different types of sexual beliefs, values. And it can be really helpful just first to expose like, what are the things that you might have reactions to or, or different beliefs about? Where did those things come from? And then also being part of a larger group and hearing other people's process and being able to hear how other people respond to can be very helpful as well. Also gives you the opportunity to be exposed to things that maybe you didn't understand or didn't even know were things that people were interested in or things that they did. And so it can help us really understand ourselves better so that we can then in turn begin to dissect where those things came from and what can we be comfortable with? Because we don't want to be in a room, I mean, even with non-sexual issues coming up, where we have some sort of reaction to something that a client tells us. You want to make sure that you're prepared for that and you know how you might react in certain situations and what might come up for you so that you can work on that. Yeah, I think that sounds great in terms of being able to recognize and check your own biases. Because I think many times we're just often not aware of them. We haven't really sat there and thought about where do these things come from and what can I do about this and how can I more effectively help patients who might just have very different backgrounds or practices than I do. Now, let me ask you one more question about the healthcare provider side of things. So if a doctor is going to ask one question to a patient about sex, just to kind of like open the door, like what do you think would be a good way of just sort of letting their patient know that this is a safe space and you can mention sexuality related concerns? Sure. So I, I'd start with an open-ended question if you're just going to ask one or, or saying something along the lines of, tell me about any sexual issues or concerns that you have so that you're not pigeonholing them into a yes or no answer and you're, you're you know, putting it out there as like, it's a question you ask everybody. First, you can normalize it and then you can ask an open-ended question or say something along the lines of, many people report trouble with sex and sexuality. Tell me about a time where you've struggled with anything related to sex or sexual issues. And I love that approach, you know, the open-ended thing, because if you give people that easy out of saying no, <laughs> you know, a lot of people who have concerns will just go to it because it feels awkward or uncomfortable, but it does feel safer when you create it in this very open-ended way. 
So let's talk about the flip side of this for a moment. So patients often want to discuss sexual health issues with their providers, but they're often too embarrassed or ashamed to bring them up, right? So you've got this anxiety that sometimes happens on both sides of the table. And it's like, maybe the doctor wants to ask about it. Maybe the patient really wants to talk about it. But then you end up in this unfortunate situation where it just never comes up at all and doesn't get addressed. So what would be your advice for people who are on the other side of the table? The patients, the healthcare consumers, how can you bring up a sexual health concern to a provider if your provider isn't giving you that opportunity to sort of naturally bring it up or asking you about it directly? So the first thing, if you don't have an established provider, I might research providers that are open to that. So you can find them on various, you know, in various organizational websites, or you can ask around for people that maybe have providers that are more open to talking about sex and sexuality. If you do have an established relationship, I would say, you know, as much as you can, just put it out there. Say, I've been struggling with an issue related to sex or with vaginal pain or with orgasm, whatever it is, you know, are you someone I can talk to about that? And if they're not, can you tell me who who might be? I think that's a good approach. And I really like the part about if you can, if your insurance permits you to have choice of providers, try and do some research ahead of time. And for example, if you're somebody who is part of the LGBTQ plus community, you can do some of that research online to figure out, is this person an LGBTQ affirming provider? Or maybe you can ask some other folks who are part of the community, people you're friends with, who they go to for their healthcare issues. And they might be able to say, hey, you don't want to go to this person. Or, hey, maybe this person is really great and is very open, welcoming, and accepting. So kind of getting that personal level of insight, I think, can be really helpful. And this is also true if you're somebody who is, say, consensually non-monogamous or if you're into kinky stuff, right? It's important to have a healthcare provider who respects sexual and relationship diversity and who can be most effective at meeting your unique sexual health needs. So again, that's also something you can search for online look for people who have certifications and credentials in this area or who might otherwise provide signs on their website that show that, hey, this is somebody who is an ally. And if you can't find someone, again, if you can talk to friends, get personal recommendations, that's often a great way to go. So thank you so much for this important conversation, Rachel. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your workshops? Yes. Thanks so much for having me. DrRachel.com is my personal website. ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com is the website where you will find information about any continuing education workshops, as well as certification trainings or our PhD in clinical sexology training. You can follow me on Facebook at Dr. Rachel or on Instagram at Dr. Rachel Needle or reach me at DrRachelNeedle at gmail.com. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>